Matthew 28, we'll look at verses 18 um, through 20. Our key verse really is sandwiched in between 18 and 20, which is verse 19, but we're going to read the whole thing. I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible. If you have it, say, I have it. If you're still looking, say, I need more time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, it's Matthew 28. I'm using this electronic device tonight, so I can't tell you what page it's on, but amen. It's there in the Holy Writ. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew 28, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things... Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come tonight into your house. Thank you, O God, for your goodness towards us. Thank you, O God, that you have turned your face in our direction. We call it favor. Thank you for loving us the way you love us, like no other can. You provided strength for us for this day. Hallelujah. Thank you for an exciting opportunity, oh God, to share Christ with others today. Thank you that, 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 that you have entrusted us, oh God, with Holy Ghost power. Thank you, Lord God. And so now we prepare to go into the word of the living God, your word that you've given to us. And we declare that none of the incorruptible seed of your word will fall by the wayside. None will fall into stony or thorny ground, but it will fall into good ground and produce a tremendous harvest. We thank you, Lord God, that as your word comes forth tonight, it can't come back to you void, vain, empty, or non-productive, but it must accomplish that which you have sent it out to do, that which brings pleasure to thee. So in advance, oh God, we give you praise for the miracles that will take place. We give you praise, oh God, for healing that will happen in the house tonight. We thank you for strategy and wisdom that shall fall like rain in the place. We thank you, oh God, for instruction, oh God, that will empower and help us tonight. We thank you for revelation knowledge that will flow freely, unhindered and unchecked by any force at all. And we do give you praise right now, oh God, for all that will be accomplished in these next few moments. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Before you take your seats, go ahead and raise your Bibles with me. We'll make our declaration, then we'll take off running for a few moments tonight. Won't hold you very long at all. Repeat after me this book of the law. Of the law. Let me hear you. This book of the law, of the law. Shall, not depart. shall not depart out of my mouth. But I will will meditate meditate therein therein day and night. night. I will observe observe to do according according to all all that is written written therein. therein. For then then my way way shall be prosperous. prosperous. And then then I will will have good success. success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed. You may take your seats. Right before we start, let me go ahead and say thank you to every one of you who were able to, uh, who was able to 
uh, hang out with me on Sunday. Uh, it was a long day, and I know some of you perhaps couldn't, but I want to say thank you to those of you that hung out with me on the first service that we had here in Hartford, and some of you traveled with me down to Norwalk to the second service. And then some of you uh, was courageous enough to head on out to the third service and meet me Sunday night over there to be with uh, Restoration Church of Worship, our dear brother there, Pastor Sterling Gatewood. And uh, just thank you for coming, sacrificing your time, and uh, encouraging our dear brother on that night. And uh, had a good time, I believe. I believe everything was good that night. I believe the Lord orchestrated everything that was done. People got blessed. And I heard from Pastor Sterling today, and he's uh, still talking about uh, the testimonies that are coming from the service that we had on Sunday night. People are still talking about it, blessed about it, and a lot of confirmation. I heard that, a lot of confirmation uh, for many who were in attendance about where God has them and what they've been hearing. And so we thank God that he's speaking to us. Amen? Amen. So thank you for joining me. And then let me say thank you again because uh, as we've been called into this Kingdom Summit, uh, we have been doing this now uh, from July, the tail end of July, mid-July to the tail end of July. We've been in our Kingdom Summit Tuesday and Wednesday evenings. And uh, many of you have been coming every Tuesday and Wednesday, every Tuesday and Wednesday up till now. And we're in September, dare I say October is right around the corner. And we have been in this Kingdom Summit series. And one of the things that I, that I must say is that we never come just to be coming, to have something to do. But we're here because God has called us into this special, concentrated time in the word to target some things so that we can be strong as we're fighting against the enemy, fighting against the flesh, fighting against the, the different currents that's going on so that we can not just maintain, but that we can super abundantly go over. Amen. Just really abound. That's what I'm looking for. Super abundantly abound in everything. So uh, I believe that God has given us just the, the right uh, speed that we need to face what's going on. So I thank God for you. I think we had maybe a week, week and a half that we didn't have Tuesday. And some of you said, thank the Lord, pastor's traveling, so we don't have to come on that Tuesday. Don't know that we have to come the next Tuesday either. Hallelujah, because he's gone. But uh, no, I know you can say that, uh, at least not out loud anyway. But, uh, but um, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. And I thank the Lord for what he's speaking to our hearts and to you, the faithful ones who have been coming. God bless your heart. May your life never be the same. Amen. May may your sacrifice not go unnoticed. Amen. Hallelujah. May he see you and may you be rewarded unusually in the name of Jesus. Can I just ride that for a second? May you experience the things that the Lord has for you. And, and may I say it like this, that may you experience the things that were not intended, but God did it anyway. That he'd bless you. Amen. That he'd bless you. That he'd bless you. That he'd bless you. Amen. Amen. That it would not be ordinary. That it would not be regular. But that it would be extraordinary in your life. In the name of Jesus. In every area. Amen. Every area financially. Amen. Let me just go ahead. I believe I'm under something right now. So I'll go ahead and say this. Amen. That the door will open for you, my sister, in Jesus' name. Amen. The door will open. The Lord told us this. He told us when he was giving us the parable of stewardship, he said he told the ones that he had given the talents, one five, one two, and one one. 
And then he told them, occupy till I come. He's in the occupy, you know, is the word occupy, short for occupation. Amen. Occupation, occupy, occupation, work. I declare that a door opens for you, sis, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That God gives you the desires of your heart in Jesus' name. I believe that God gives us divine permission at certain times. And I think, I believe we're in that window right now. So we can declare some stuff right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Some of you need favor in a certain matter. And we declare that on you right now in Jesus' name. Some of you are negotiating something and you're looking at something. And we just declare upon you right now that you'll get favor in Jesus' name. That the door will open for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You got to know how to flow in it when God opens it and pours it out. Thank you, Jesus. We walk in it. We walk in it. We walk in it. We walk in it. Hallelujah. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I believe that God will allow us to go into very treacherous places and be untouched and unscathed by what we have to deal with. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that once that you may have been put in a pit for some of you, and then some of you may have been put in a, in a, in a tight place and a hot place. Amen. But the Lord shows up in there with you. And when you come out, we won't even know that you've been in the fire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we are in, as we are in the kingdom, go mama. As we're in the kingdom summit series. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God knows who we want to talk to. <laughs> you think you don't? <laughs> Hallelujah. As we are in engaged in the summit, we have uh, in this kingdom summit series, uh, we have um, four emphasis that we are dealing with. And uh, we call them mini, mini summits or summits, the single summit, uh, the prayer summit of which we have completed already. Amen. And uh, we are now in our third summit, which is the evangelism summit. And then we will conclude with the economic summit. And as we have been plowing through and God has been blessing us and word has been settling, not only in our ears, but in our heart, uh, 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 we believe that. Ways are opening, you know what I mean? Ways are opening for us, amen, and that God is equipping us with the things that we need for what's coming. Amen. We have targeted, we know who the enemy is, amen. Of course, we know it's Satan. Of course, Satan is the, is, is the guy who is responsible for sin. And the way all of that outside stuff will affect us is if we allow it inside of us and give it, give it an expression through the flesh. Amen. So we know that we have to dead the flesh, right? And so we have been, we targeted the flesh. We knew that the flesh is an enemy against any spiritual endeavor. Amen. So we have already addressed it. Amen. We done screamed at it. We done exposed it. 
We talked about it. Amen. Amen. We, we've already identified it. And so we have let the flesh know where it belongs. Amen. We know it's a no good thing according to what the apostle Paul says there in Romans chapter number seven. I think it's somewhere around verse number 18. We have discovered that's a no good thing. Paul said in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Not talking about the skin, not talking about the outer shell, but really talking about the lower nature of man. He also, Paul talks also to us through, as he was communicating with the church at Galatia concerning the flesh. And he says there in chapter number six that that those who would sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. So we understood from that and understand from that, that this no good thing, the flesh, causes corruption, causes decay, causes things to rot, causes, causes our life uh, uh, to rot out causes those things that we call ourselves establishing not to last. Amen. So we know that the flesh is an enemy against any spiritual endeavor. So we've already did that already. The Bible says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. So we've took, taken care of that so that we can freely now ride, ride upon these things. So now as we're looking at this third summit, the evangelism summit, we find in our text in Matthew 28 that Jesus is right at the tail end of his ministry and about to leave. He has uh, uh, probably perhaps just a few weeks yet remaining remaining on the planet. Uh, and he tells his disciples uh, that, uh, gave, gave them a responsibility. First of all, he tells them all power is given unto me. He makes that very clear in verse 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, it's time now to release you. Go ye therefore uh, uh, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And what he's saying to them is to go out and make disciples of men. Go out and make disciples of men. Bring men into this particular discipline. Bring men into this particular discipline. Make disciples of men that gone through their, their training period now and Jesus is releasing them and telling them as I have done with you, do with others. Amen. Get others to follow Christ. Amen. And so as he does so, we understand that now making disciples of men is really in this verse, verse 19 is really the mission of the church. That is really the mission of the church or the mission statement of the church right there. That is our role. So then evangelism, which is simply the promulgation of the gospel, which is good news. Evangelism really is spreading, declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Getting it out there so that others will have an opportunity who, who are not born again. Who Now they'll have an opportunity to be reconciled back to God. Amen. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation to bring to bring things back to their original places. When something is reconciled, it is recovered. It is brought back, which means that it had to have been there once. So it's brought back. So we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means we have been the, given the authority, the power to through the gospel to declaring the good news we've been given the power that will cause men to come back when i say men i'm talking about mankind to come back to come back to god through jesus christ are you all with me 
Now, <clears throat> we said, and I'm trying to get you where I want to go, that there are three real points that I'm really dealing with in this particular piece dealing with evangelism in this summit. We said that three points. The first point was, and that is of telling the good news. Anybody remember what the second point was? Announcing the kingdom of God or the kingdom reign of God, which we, I think we did wonderfully in, in that when we dealt with that last Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the third one is what? Bearing witness. And that's where we are now. That's where we are now. Bearing witness. Three points. Telling the good news, announcing the kingdom reign of God, and number three, bearing witness. Now, we talked last week, last Wednesday, about the power of good news. And what I did was, we, we, we did, we went into Isaiah 52, my God, and we talked about the kingdom reign of God. I don't have, I can't go back into it now. But we talked about the political aspects of salvation and the spiritual aspects of salvation. Y'all remember that? We dealt with that. And so now, and, and, and through that, we established the understanding of the kingdom reign of God. It is how God runs his government. How he runs his government. And in his government, the way he runs it will cause recovery to take place. Restoration to take place. Forgiveness takes place there. Amen? All of that takes place under God's government. Now, as we move now into bearing witness let's go and look at hmm, okay let's go to Luke chapter 14 Luke chapter number 14 Now, as we're going to Luke 14, I want to, and we'll pick it up probably, yeah, we'll pick it up around verse 22. But what I want to impress upon us again tonight, I want to stir you up. I need you to feel that a certain urgency that God does not want any person to be lost. God does not want any person to be lost. None. None be lost. We already saw in Second Peter. God, the Bible says, he is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count as slackness. Right? We saw that, right? As some men count as slackness, but he is long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should what? Perish, but that all would come to repentance. That is the heart of God right there. It is not his will that any be lost. If the church is going to embrace Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, Born again, born from above, if we're going to embrace Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are also embracing the will of God. 
And as we embrace the will of God, we understand that Jesus died. Oh, my God. That he died. He sacrificed his life so that men and women can be born again. He gave his life. He gave his life for our sin. He paid the price, the penalty. He paid the ransom with blood to get us back. The price to get us back, the ransom that had been put out to get us back was blood. He paid that cost, paid that price of blood, sacrificed his life for us that we'd be born again. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. That's his desire for us to be saved. Now, for the world to be saved. Now, when we understand that, that after we got saved, that we didn't die. That he gives us instructions now to live the abundant life after we get saved. Now, that is a reason. The reason now that we're saved is so that others can be saved. Okay? Others can be saved. Life is what it is. People live in different places. You know what I mean? They operate in different venues. They're in different corners of life. They're into many, many things. Many, many things people are into. God has called us out of those places. Okay, maybe I'm talking to a perfect people here. Maybe y'all had it all. God called us out of certain places, out of certain dens. Out of certain rooms and places. Amen. Some of us went deeper than others in certain things. And what we did, then there's some of us, we don't have a testimony of doing a whole lot, but internally, we thought a whole lot. Yeah, we did a whole lot internally. We just didn't act on it. Some of us were too scared to do some of the stuff we were thinking. Got a witness anywhere? Mm-hmm. So, none of us are in any place to say we were better than any of the rest of us. So it is from those throes of life, those places in life, those gullies of life, those pits of life, those areas, those, those high rises of life. Come on. Not just the pits, but the high rises. Some of us been in the penthouse a couple, couple times. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. He called us out of those places. Amen. Not to keep us separated from the people who are in those places, but he saved us from those places so that we can go back to those places and let men and women know you don't have to live and be in those places. Amen. Bible says he's called us out of darkness. Amen. Into his marvelous light. For Jesus to, says, for Jesus to save me, okay, he had to go where me was. Y'all get that? He had to go where me was. Okay, he had to go where I was. He had to go in there to get me. He didn't say on the outside, yo, come out. No, he went in there where I was to get me. 
See, you got to, you, and you have to, you have to understand that. Can I make it more graphic? He went into hell and got us all out. Because at the end of the day, without him, that's where we would live eternally there. So he had to go where I was to get me. Amen. He had to die, defeat death. So that I could live. So that you could live. Y'all with me? So now, it is now our responsibility now, not to sit in here. Stay in here, in this safety zone, and, 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 you know, and get fat. The wool starts growing, you know what I mean, and get blind. Because if you don't shear the sheep, it will grow into their eyes and it will blind them. So we don't keep just growing and growing and growing without giving and giving and giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God sowed a seed for salvation. So now the seed is still being sown. Who's the seed? We are. The church is now the seed that has to now be thrust into the world, come on, so that the world would have a conscience, number one, and then a consciousness of him. God places the church in a community to cause that community to have a conscience. And a consciousness of him. So we have to now, as Jesus did, we now have to go. He sends his disciples. He says, go. He didn't say go into the synagogue. He didn't say go into the temple. He says, go into the world. Now, when it comes down to bearing witness, follow me here now. I just, I I needed you to feel that. In Luke 14, verse number 22, there's a whole story here, but I'm going to kind of interrupt the story at this point. Verse 22, and the servant said, Lord, it is done. Luke 14, you there? It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Invitation being made. Come to the wedding. Excuses made. And the servant said, 22, Lord, it is done. Because he told him to go out into the streets, into the city. Right? As thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the what? Highways and hedges and do what? Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now. Now. Here is, here is the quick scenario that I have some, some things I want to get to. The scenario is this, that there is a marriage ceremony that is, that it, that has been on the calendar, it's been calendarized. And now the invitation has gone out, go into the cities and, 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 and invite people to come in. The halt, the maim, all those invite everyone, the poor, invite them to come in. And then one of the servants come back and say, there's still room. There's still room. 
He says, okay, go into the highways and hedges and compel men to come. You and I, there are some things that's just easy to do. Okay, there, there's some people you can talk to, ain't no, it's no problem. They're coming. But then there are others that you have to compel to come. There are others who are destitute and they need something. And the first thing you hand out, they run to it because they need something. But then there are others who think they already have it. It, It's those that we have to compel. We have to compel. That means, if I can just work this for a few moments, that means now that you and I now have to come out of our comfort zone. We have to come out of our comfort zone and reach people, touch people. We can't just go from the house to the church and then from the church back to the house and then from the house to work and then back from work to the house. And that's all you know. Sometimes we have to get out of the car, come on, park the car and walk. There are some side streets that need Jesus. There are areas, come on, that need to hear about the Lord that are not in your beaten path, that are not, that are not in your direction. But my point is that the invitation is made to go to every walk of life. And the only way that people are going to come and take the invitation is if you and I go there and we touch them. There has to be some level of touch. I must touch them. Someone asked me one time. um, I was um, ministering and counseling with um, a minister one time. And as I was counseling with the minister question came to the floor concerning um, witchcraft and those who are dealing uh, in witchcraft and things of that nature, you know. And uh, the whole idea was centered around who to let touch you. Okay. Now, that can be a little touchy subject, especially when I'm talking about evangelism. But that's okay because I want to give you an understanding. There are some people who have phobias concerning witchcraft and those who are practicing divination and all those kind of things. They have phobias about them. They're afraid of them. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm a ghostbuster. I'm a spiritual ghostbuster. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Who you going to call? But there are some people who have been taught and they have, they have heard the word preached from a fear-based place concerning that. And so now they have issues of contact. Now I get that. So let me talk to y'all in the room now because there's a percentage of you who, who deal with that. That you don't want to be touched. 
I get that because I understand the transfer of spirits. Don't think I'm out of my mind. I know what I'm talking about. I understand the transfer of spirits. I do get that. I get all of that. I understand that. You know what I mean? You have to watch who you come in intimate fellowship with. You know what I mean? Because of the transfer of spirits that can come. You can't run with everybody in life. Okay? I'm talking about intimate fellowship. You can't run with everybody in life. Can't get in the bed. I, I said it. It's out. I can't get it back. You can't get in the bed with everybody. Okay? And I don't mean that in, in, a, in, a, in a fresh way. You just can't. You can't. You can't hang out and fellowship intimately with everybody. Okay? But here is the balance that I want to give you. That whoever you come in contact with, no matter what they've been dabbling or doubling in, what God has blessed can no man curse. I don't care if they've been working roots. I don't care if they come in services because I've, I've seen it. People have come in services and their whole aim is to work against you as you brought the word, as you bring the word. And I've seen them scribbling. They'd be scribbling in circles trying to tie you up. None of that stuff works against a believer. None of it works against a, I said none of it works against a believer. I, I need volume. None of that works against, I need to be heard on this one. None of that works against a believer. You can't tie me up. I'm blessed and I can't be cursed. And what the Lord blesses, come on, you remember what the man said? I can't reverse it. We have taught it incomplete. And now we have released fear amongst the people now. No, I'll take that from you. Uh-uh. No, we're not promoting fear in here. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. What do you mean? I got the blood on me. And if I understand the principle of the blood correctly, there must be a passing over when something that is adverse to me comes against me. Amen. Children of Israel were told to put the blood, come on, on the lintels and doorposts. Concerning the deaf angel, come to your house. When he sees your house and sees the blood, it will pass. So the blood has the power to protect. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. See, and you can't, you, you cannot live life with this fear base. That girl used to come on TV. She was very popular uh, uh, reading the Psychic Network some years ago. I can't remember her name. It's been, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, D, what her name? Theo? Dio? Creo? Zio? Threo? Dio? Dio? Cleo, Cleo. Well, I really couldn't figure it out. Cleo. Folks was scared. Folks was afraid of that girl. For what? Sad thing, some of the, some of the saints, some of them, they call, call, they, 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 they. Yeah, the minister, another minister one time told me she called there, called the psychic line because it needs some answers about some things. I said, you got to be out of your mind. That stuff, that stuff has been condemned. We don't, we don't walk in anything condemned, y'all. That practice is condemned. It's illegal. Amen. 
people give you information. Let me tell you, familiar spirits can give you everything you want to know. Let me tell you, the devil know when you was born, the date you were born, and what you were doing when you turned three. Because there were demons assigned to you at that time that report back. Those called familiar spirits. They're familiar with you. See, and I had to go there because if we're going to win the world, you got to touch folk. You got to stay on point. You got to stay focused. Stay under the blood. Hallelujah. And get it done. You got power. We begin everything we needed. Amen. God's given us everything we need. Hey. Jesus sent the disciples. He had about 70 of them. He sent them out by twos. And when he sent them out by twos, they went into the city. Almost like what happens when the president's about to come to some place. Secret service always goes ahead. Chase the food. Check out the route. Get everything together. You know what I mean? Then they come back. Well, Jesus sent out the 70 into the city. And they came back. With the report. They were excited. Oh. Oh. The demons were subject to us. In that name. You know what I mean? They were excited about what happened. And they ought to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Demons came out. In the name of Jesus. Jesus told them. Um, that you know, appreciate your excitement. But the most excitement ought to be. At, at, at knowing that your name is written. And then he told them, I've given you power over all of the power of the enemy. Come on. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Y'all remember that? He said, I've given you power, exousia, authority, over all of the power, dunamis, ability of the enemy. Amen. So my point is now that we have been authorized by God with authority, with, with exousia, and with dunamis. Why ought we to be afraid? In Matthew 28, he tells them to go. But before he leaves in Acts chapter 1, he says, and ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost comes on you. For what? That you may be witnesses unto me, Jesus said, both in Jerusalem, Judea, the region, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we have the power, watch this, to be a witness. So what are we afraid of? No, really, really. What should we be afraid of? Nothing at all. There is no need for us to be afraid. We don't preach a fear-based gospel. It only makes sense. Good news based on fear. Ain't no, ain't no fear in that. Amen. Y'all with me? Yeah. Ain't no fear in that. So, as we're on, uh, looking at point number three, which is bearing witness, right? That means now that you and I must go out and make contact. We've got to make contact. 
All right, it's about to get good now. Make contact. All right, if we're going to bear witness, then what we're really talking about now. Okay, let me, I'm going to go ahead of myself. Let me give you, let me define witness for you real quick. If we're going to bear witness, here's what witness is. Witness is, it means simply to have evidence. To have evidence. It is a testimony. It is first-hand account of. If I am a witness, I have evidence. If I am a witness, I, I, can, I can testify. If I am a witness, I have had first-hand account. I, I, first-hand uh, information. First-hand account. I'm a witness to a thing. Everybody say evidence. Evidence Evidence deals with proof. I have proof that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have proof and I am proof. Amen? Amen? So now, if we're going to bear witness, we now have to have interaction, but my interaction that I'm having with the world must reveal the evidence. I must have evidence when I'm evangelizing. I need y'all to hear me. I'm not just bearing eloquence in my speech. I'm not just performing these oratorical escapades with my words. That's pretty good. I'm not just declaring some poetry that's falling from the silver tongue. It's not even in my charisma. Not even in the charisma, in the grace in which I do it. But it is the proof, the evidence that I have. So when we're bearing witness, we're not just showing up. We got proof, got evidence. Now, we're prone to believe something when we have evidence in a courtroom setting the judge has an easier time when the attorneys have presented their case with evidence evidence becomes irrefutable You can't deny the evidence. Y'all with me? I got proof right here. You can't deny the evidence. Glory to God. So now, I understand that the body of Christ has an assignment to declare the good news, to proclaim the good news. Hallelujah. Glad tidings. Good news. Glad tidings is supernatural. 
Once, we said it last week. Once glad tidings, once good news is heard, it has a supernatural impact upon people. This good news that we are declaring has an anchoring, oh my God, an anchoring effect when there is proof. Amen. Evidence. Evidence. Go to John chapter 5. Let me see if I can establish this. Hallelujah. I've got 10 minutes here. Go to John chapter number 5. St. John chapter 5. Y'all hanging in there with me? Okay. Now, I'm not, I'm not teaching or preaching for points. I'm not trying to be popular. This is not about popularity at all. We have moved away from trying. I have. I've moved away. My purpose in here tonight is not to win you over in my preaching, in my preaching style. Tonight, it's about empowering us to get out of these walls. That we walk out of here with the burden of Jesus on us. And that is to win the lost. It's not important to me how I sound, what my tone is like tonight. I want you to hear the word of God. I want you to hear what's being said tonight. Y'all with me? Glory to God. So put your measuring sticks away for those who have it out. I ain't into that tonight. John chapter 5, that's what I said? Look at what it says there in verse number 30. I'm going to start there in verse number 30. (laughs) Lord, where do I start? I'm going to start at 30. (laughs) Jesus is talking here, John chapter 5. I can of mine own self, are you there? Do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, he says, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Watch this. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Y'all see that? There is another that beareth witness of me. So now, I'm sorry, y'all. So now, there has to be more than your words. Because we need to have evidence. I need to hear your words, yes, but I need to have evidence. I need to to see or to know that what you're saying is true. You got to understand now, we who are, are who are already believers, you do not have to prove anything else to me. Follow me, y'all. Once I'm saved now, I don't need to see it to believe it. Once I'm saved, I don't have to be like Thomas. Except I see the nail print. Lest I see where they pierced you. 
He said, I will not believe. Jesus showed up in the room. <laughs> Jesus showed up in the room. He, he, Thomas came in there and tell them all. Everybody believing except him. He said, I ain't believing. I will not believe. I got to see it to believe it. Jesus showed up. He said, now that you see, come here, put your hands here, touch it, feel it, feel it. And then Jesus announces and he declares. He, he declares about seeing and believing. But the blessing comes on those who believe and don't see. See, once we're born again, I don't need you to prove to me anymore that I'm born again. I don't need you to prove to me that salvation is right. I don't need you to show me anything to tell me that what the Lord says is right. I already believe. But before I become a believer, E, I need to see. I need to see so that I can believe. So when it comes down to this whole issue of being a witness, that means that something really happened. And now we have as a confirming, uh, uh, confirming uh, 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 piece, someone who saw it. Someone who has a, been a recipient of it. It happened. You may not believe it, but I'm going to tell you it happened. It is true because I'm a witness. So out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So once I have a witness, I'm actually now, I'm in a place of agreement. I have established agreement now, whereby now God stands behind that this is an accurate record. Amen? Let's look back. He says now, I, if for 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me, come on, is true. Ye sent unto John and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath, oh my Lord, sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness. Uh, Seem like to me that there is confirmation all over the place. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. But we have a witness. Go to chapter 10 of John. This is good, y'all. I'm just trying to establish this thing. Look at verse 25. Jesus answered them. Are you there? 
I told you and ye believed not. The works that I do in my father's name, come on, they bear witness of me. You need more than just what you're saying out of your mouth. Tell somebody you need evidence. First John. Go to the first epistle of John. Chapter number one. The first letter of John, the first epistle of John. Chapter number one, verse one says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Y'all see that? For the life was made known, revealed, manifested, and we have what? Seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Final verse 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. John's talking. He's sharing from verse 1 to 4. He's telling them we have seen, we have heard, we have touched Manifested things have happened in us and under us. We're declaring this to you so your joy can be full. Amen. When you are a witness, when you are bearing witness, you stand confidently. You can stand flat-footed You know what I mean? With confidence, not having to apologize for anything. Mm, Let me hurry. See, and many times, let me just say this. Many times, here's what we do sometimes as Christians. What we do many times is because we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of faith, right? There are some things... Watch this, things that we're waiting on manifestation of, which means they have not appeared yet. Okay? Doesn't mean it's not there yet. Just haven't appeared yet. See? And many times what we do as, as, as believers, we make the mistake many times, we start apologizing for God. Why certain things not happening. They say, well, if the Lord is all of this and that, well, why this ain't happening? And what we do, we go into this apologetic state. We start apologizing for God as if God needs for us to stand up for him and apologize for him. God don't need our apologies. He don't need us to take up for him at all. God's looking for someone who will believe him even though nothing manifested yet. Because we're not, listen, our life is not built upon what we see. 
I live by that right there. I live by this right there. That thing you got in your lap right there? I live by that. That's what I live by. I live by the word of God. Every promise of God, which is his word, is yes. And amen. I live by that. I don't apologize for it. I don't give no excuses for it. That's how I live. Because there's something I know. See, when you know, let me tell you something. Here's what should anchor your faith, man. When you know that the place that you're sitting in right now, not just this building per se, but this planet that you and I are sitting on and living in and walking on, when you understand that this thing, this this physical material world that we are living in was made by a word that should anchor your faith. Everything material. Even the chairs we're sitting in right now. It's material. It's tangible. But it was made by a word. The structure of this planet, the structure of the planets was designed by God's word. See, y'all got to get that, see? And when you understand that truth, it should anchor your faith so that Things that are not yet manifested ain't no big deal. Don't need to apologize for God about anything. Just tell them to keep on looking. Keep on looking. It's about to come. It's about to happen. And then if you really want to baffle the natural mind, if you really want to baffle the natural mind, you take them to a physical building and structure. And you ask them, what was that made of? They'll tell you wood and all that kind of stuff. You say, no, no, no. It was a blueprint. There had to be a design first before you could build this. Where did the image of that thing come from? Words create it. Y'all, y'all. Words create images. If I say red right now, your mind will go to something red. If I say blue, you can associate what blue is because I gave you a word that connected to that color. Words create images. With the image is the blueprint. Now I can be, now go get me some wood. You with me? If you really want to mess with them, ask them, ask them, naturally, who built the building? They'll call the construction company in. And if you know your stuff, you say, no, 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 ain't it. The master builder is the architect. I need an elbow on that, bro, because I know you know what I'm talking about. You know I know what I'm talking about. And you know what I'm talking about, too. The master builder on any project is an architect. And the architect ain't pick up one piece of brick. But he sat on a table and he designed something. And put some measurements to it. And gave you a scale to it. Everything. He knows the density of the thing. He knows what the, what the, what, what things are going to cost. By the time he gets done with it, he can tell you what the, he can tell you every room in that thing before it was built. He tells you the size of it. And the contractor comes in and says, yes, amen. Because now he has to build it to specs. Jesus, 
That was a good little exercise right there. Hallelujah. I didn't even mean that when I came on up out of the spirit. Hallelujah. So let me close with this for tonight. As we understand or as we seeking to press into understanding what this whole thing is about evangelism, we're looking at the third point, which is bearing witness. It is important for us to understand and to know that there has to be evidence. I can take you to more scriptures because I have a, I have a lot more here that I can take you to that continued to bear out the principle of bearing witness. How important it is to have evidence. To have a testimony. Evidence. The evidence that you and I carry into the world is what anchors what we're declaring. Question. Is there enough evidence in and about your life about Jesus to convict you? Is there enough evidence about your life whereby the judge can say guilty? I'm not talking about guilty in the negative sense. But guilty in this sense, it is true. That person is a believer. It is your evidence. It is your testimony. Tomorrow I'm going to dig back into one of the messages that I preached some time ago. The power of your testimony. Because I need to make a point from that. Because evidence is your proof, which is your testimony. Because it is your testimony that God will use against the Rahabs of this world. Hmm. Okay, so listen, we're in this to win, y'all. We're in this to win. We're in this thing to win the lost. We're in it to win the lost. And I need our church to be evangelism or evangelistically minded. Amen. Reason why Billy Graham was so powerful and still is so powerful is because he stuck to the main thing. You can listen to him preach even his old messages. He does not discredit speaking in tongues. He does not discredit dancing and shouting and praise. 
He doesn't discredit it. But when he gets up to preach, he preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified all the time. All the time. He does not major on speaking in tongues. Not when he's trying to win a world. Now, maybe if he came to a believer's meeting, he'll talk to us, you know what I mean, about speaking in tongues. But when he's declaring to the world, tongues is not what the world will want to hear about. We have to get the message of Jesus Christ inside of us, outside of us, and then we must have evidence. Because it is the evidence, the testimony. It is that that God will use, oh my God, to cause the lost to be one. Peter came down from the upper room. After they had been up there for those 10 days, 120 of them got with one accord in one place. And then suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them as of clothing tongues coming down that sat upon their shoulders. The Bible begins to declare to us and share with us that they begin to speak with other tongues. Watch this. As the spirit gave utterance. And the people begin to hear them in their own languages. And they declare that these men are drunk. It was then that Ravi Zacharias, I'm sorry, it was then that Peter. Because that's all Peter was. He was an apologist. He came down and defended the gospel. He says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Being, was it the third hour? I believe it was. Was it the third hour? But this is that. That was spoken of the prophet Joel. That in the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And as he continued to, he's preaching now. He's preaching. He's preaching. He began now to identify what they saw. And he used his words to speak to what they saw and what they heard. And by the time Peter got done with his words, connecting with what they saw and what they heard, that's three witnesses. 3,000. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Such as should be saved. Stand to your feet, y'all. Because there was a witness there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Tomorrow night when we come, I'm going to finish up evangelism tomorrow night. We'll talk about, I'll share that story with you. The power of your testimony. Give you two more points and then we will be done with the evangelism summit. 
the next week we'll pick up on the economic summit, which is the coming down the home stretch. That's the last one. But I want to make sure that we are valuing these settings that we're receiving from it. I want you to see yourself in, in school learning how to go win the world. I remember going to Houston. I don't know how many years it was now, maybe five years ago. I, don't, I can't remember now, five or six years ago. And I went there for two weeks. Came home, flew in on Saturday night, came to church Sunday morning, preached Sunday morning, flew back out Sunday night to Houston for two weeks. I was in a pastoral executive skills training session. And there was 50 of us in that room. And in that room, we were being empowered. Empowered with the word of God, with strategies, strategies, strategies. How to have a relevant church meeting the needs of the community. Being a power, power, a power entity, the church itself. Understanding evangelism. I mean, we were being poured into, we were drunk. It was so much being poured into, we were drunk. From early morning until afternoon, and then afternoon we had a break, and then we had to come back at night. A couple of the nights. Engaging in this so that when we were returned back, when, when Bishop would return us back to our states, back to our cities, that we would come with a greater sensitivity of the plan of God and how to get, how to mobilize the church to advance the kingdom of God. I feel like this is that same type of a thing. Though, though I paid 5000 for that. Doesn't matter, it's well worth the investment. We pour it now into you. Hallelujah. That's why I want you to value these settings. Doesn't matter to me if two people came. I was going to preach like this anyway. It really was. None of y'all that came, I took these flowers and turned them around. Because I would need to release it in the atmosphere. Amen. And to record it, get it down. Amen. So it can be heard beyond the moment. Because this evangelism, this is what we have been called to do. This is it. We have been called to do that. This is the church's mission right here. When the lost. Hallelujah. Don't want to see nobody lost. Heads about. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you right now, God. Thank you for this crew that's here. For the ears that have heard this lesson.